coming here tonight, you've probably had to struggle against traffic and every barrier out there, but I really thank you very much for um, making this choice rather than going home in your trainers with a very long journey ahead of you. It's wonderful to have you here. We have the most fantastic women um, who have agreed to be here and to talk to us. So let me introduce myself. My name's Edwina Dunn. Um, I am founder of the What I See project. Um, my alter ego is that I'm a businesswoman. Uh, I, for my sins, started a business with my husband way, way back, before most of you even started work in 1989, and it's called Dunn Humvee. I was the Dunn, and my husband was the Humvee. And we met at a previous role where we were looking at population statistics and how far people traveled to come to a retailer. So it was very much about you are where you live. And when we started Dunhumby, we started looking at customer data, we started looking at you are what you eat. And that became something that underpinned Tesco and its journey in actually becoming a world leader in the retailing market. So analyzing what's now called big data became our fascination. And um, I'm delighted to hear that we have an academic in our midst who actually studied this as a business model and who's agreed to share this interesting story with me. And I've never heard it before. So having someone analyze what we did is actually, I suppose in all honesty, a bit of an ego trip. But it's also fascinating, so I'm delighted to hear that. Um, there were some things along the way that I forgot about. I, I mean, I know, I remember it being hard, the journey. I remember it being long. Um, but I also remember it was a very male-dominated industry. I mean, I worked with retailers, and then eventually I worked with big global brands all over the world. It was quite male, and I'm not saying that was a bad experience. It was something I didn't really know how to benchmark with anything else. It was interesting. But I did learn a couple of things, which was talk less. When you're in a male environment, they talk at least as half as much as women talk. And I, it took me a long time to figure that out. And the second thing I learned, which might be helpful to some of you, is start with the answer and then explain why you got there. I used to do it the other way around, and they got so bored they switched <laughs> off. So these were a couple of things I learned in this 20-year journey. Um, we sold the business three years ago, and I'm now on a new part of that journey, but you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. This project to me is all about the empowerment of women, giving women a voice, and my hope, my aspiration, is that we start to share these wonderful stories and these um, ideas of how women can have fun, feel fulfilled, have great careers with children and young people, young adults studying today and actually give them more choices in what they want to become. 
And that's really my hope. And um, I've literally, I'm delighted that I've just become involved with um, government and Elizabeth Truss, who's the Minister of Education. And she's just asked me to chair um, a new program, a three-year program, which is all about promoting STEM subjects to children, um, to young people uh, across the country. And I'm both thrilled and delighted to be part of that. So STEM, science, technology, engineering, maths, underpins the businesses I've always been involved with. But on a broader scale, what really fascinates me is the stories of how women find fulfillment, find enrichment in the lives that they choose. So, please participate in the evening. You can tweet your response to questions at What I See Project. Um, the hashtag is #HashWorkingWomen. So please feel free to get your mobiles out and do that during the evening. Um, we will have a few questions that we're asking. Um, what did you want to be when you were young? I wanted to be Jane Bond. <laughs> Honestly, I really, and then I wanted to be a long distance lorry driver. <laughs> I didn't achieve either of those. And, um, and also, what is the biggest challenge of being a working woman today? So these are the things we want to ask you. We have an amazing panel here tonight, and I'm now going to pass over to the brilliant, charismatic, and I think trend-setting Sonia Brown is here with us this evening. She's going to lead our panel. Absolutely delighted. She's the director of National Black Women's Network. Frankly, she could run any network, but that's the one she's chosen, so I'm delighted. We have um, Linda Brown, who's head of savings at Investec, so I'm delighted to have Linda here. Um, Alison Cork, who has a diverse portfolio, but she's not only a writer, she's a broadcaster. And if you go to her website, it has the most delicious interior fascinations that we could all spend too much money on, but are probably very reasonably priced, right, yes. Alison? And um, very importantly, and again, Forefront to our um, panel tonight is Sheena Armin, who's the business manager of Virgin Media and very importantly, trustee of Young Enterprise. So, please, can I invite these amazing four panelists onto the stage? Right, how's everyone feeling? Well, I'm going to start by saying this. We have not travelled in high heels and fought all the terrors on the tube for this lacklustre approach. So, we'll start again and pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> so, how's everyone feeling? Hey. This is with me. <laughs> okay, that's more like it. Okay, I feel very honoured to be among our, like, shall I say, celebrated guests. And it's going to be a wonderful day, evening, don't you think? And it's yes. worth the journey. Okay, so I'll quick, we haven't got much time, but what I'd like to do is hand over to Linda Brown first. Why would you think an event like today is very important for women? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think it's important because, well, for me as a woman, 
um, you know, I like to meet very different types of people, um, male, female. But I think working in finance, um, and being lucky enough to work in a wonderful firm like Investec, you know, for me it's about, you know, I meet fantastic people every day, I work with great people every day. But I guess what I don't meet is a lot of different types of women in different careers. And, you know, you read about them in the press, there's, you know, a lot going on. But for me, it's about meeting different kind of women to challenge me and mm-hmm. um, to inspire me um, and just to find their stories. <laughs> That's what I think is fascinating about. It's a very different type of environment when you know, you're sitting in a room mostly full of women from all walks of life, from all different types of careers. And, you know, you know what's your story? You know, what, what have we got in common? What have we not got in common? Mm-hmm. Um, and what have you got to say? Okay, so one uh, question I'd ask you is, if you were looking back in time and you said, right, you're going to end up here today, what would you say to your younger self in order to prepare you for this journey? Is there things that you would have done differently or...? No. No. I wouldn't have done anything different because I don't, um, I don't really believe in kind of like looking back and thinking what if. I mean, I always, it was always my... Um, long-term plan to come to London. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a small oh, town in Scotland, mm-hmm. um, which was very quiet, it was very nice, but it was where people went to retire to, mm-hmm. and I wasn't ready to retire <laughs> when I was 18, so I just couldn't wait to leave. I'd never been to London before, but I knew that's where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just thought, uh, and I knew I would just have an adventure. I don't know what kind of adventure, yeah. but that's what I was looking for. So if your teacher was to um, describe you in three words, what would be the three words she would use to describe um, Strong, mm-hmm. opinionated, okay. <laughs> um, and very focused. Okay, and, w- and would you believe that those three words are important in your career today, bearing in mind the environment you're working in, the type of sector you're in? Yes, but I think what it's missing is maybe the softer skills. Mm-hmm. That feminine spirit. Yes. Feminine spirit. Right, thank you. Is anyone going to have a quick question to ask before we move on? We're going to fire it up a bit more, just getting you warmed up. Let's hear from everyone. Any questions? Any questions? Uh, um, I can't believe. (laughs) Got everything yet? I would love to know what was the point where your career step changed? What was it that happened that fired you onto something that took you to the level you've now reached? Wow, that's a good. Wow, what question? Um, I think it was a couple of things. Um, first of all was being encouraged to come and being back to come to London um, by the company I was with. Um, and also, and then when I went to work for Investec, my first um, sort of line manager was a female. Very important role model. Yeah. So if you had to describe your journey in three steps, what would be the three sort of tipping points that got you where you are today? Because yeah. did you have a plan? Did, did you, was this the career your parents wanted you to have? Or did you make it up along the way? Uh, a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. A bit of all of that. I mean, I, don't th- I think it was that I just know I wanted to have a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started in finance because you know, I started in finance in the 80s. And for all of you who remember the <laughs> 80s, that was a really difficult time. There wasn't a lot of employment. Um, you know, in Scotland, um, a career in finance was considered a really big deal. Mm-hmm. So I felt very lucky to get into finance. And banking, um, so I just knew that that was a platform that could launch me, but I didn't really know to what. Why do you feel that we are still struggling to see so many women at the top in terms in sectors like banking? Why do you feel that there's still such a challenge? 
for women to be on boards or to be in the higher positions, executive positions? Well, with these questions, I always try and turn it around to the positive, mm. and I always try to think, um, you know, we are improving. There's more. I think we started from, you know, quite a, a, a low base. Um, but I think also because I think women have more choice now, so they're maybe choosing not to, mm -hmm. which I think is a good thing, and mm -hmm. um, they're choosing to start their own businesses or they're choosing to opt out. So I don't think it's, um, I think it's, we are, compared to where we were before, I think it's much better, but I think it's the fact that we've got more choice, mm -hmm. that it may be the reason why we're not seeing so many women in finance. Look, I think it also looks at their male career from the outside. But I think at the ground level, and I certainly see a lot of the graduates coming through and all the young women come through in this environment, there's certainly a lot more, which I think is fantastic. But at the, at the grassroots level, and there's a lot of talented women coming through. It's just it's not, it's not bursting through yet to the point of... We'll come back to yeah. about talking about the pipeline yeah. a bit um, later on. Okay, let me feel old now as I turn around to my right. <laughs> Sheila Erin. Let's, um, could you just tell us a bit about yourself, what you're doing, sure. and pro for our younger members of the audience? <laughs> sure. Well, hi everyone. I'm Sheena, as uh, Sonia said. I currently work as a senior manager at Virgin Media, and I focus on business development. So that's really looking at um, kind of a, a very broad remit in terms of any commercial opportunity that can help make the business effectively more money, because at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. <laughs> so it's um, a combination of strategic partnerships. Uh, I was responsible for our deal with, uh, with Netflix, which we launched uh, very recently. Um, and I also work uh, very closely with uh, the CEO of the business, who is a very inspirational and talented woman, uh, pleased to say, and uh, look, with, look at a number of operational and strategic uh, initiatives with her. But um, I've actually been at Virgin for, for a year. Uh, I actually started my career in the, uh, the wonderful world of private equity, which, as I'm sure you all know, is an incredibly male-dominated field. Um, and you know, women have made progress, but it's still of you know, probably any career or industry you can work in one of the, kind of the most aggressive and, and male-dominated uh, fields. Um, so for me, kind of, I was the only woman um, investment professional at the, the firm that I joined, um, and that was definitely a challenge when I when I started uh, my first foray into the, the working world. And coupled with the, the fact that I was joining as a graduate, um, so in addition to being a woman um, and kind of having that kind of minority element, I was also by far the the most inexperienced hire that they had ever made. So on uh, on two counts, it was um, it was a definitely a, a very challenging. Um, start to my, my working career, but hopefully I can, can share some of those insights and, and things that I learned even more today. And how would you say culture, your cultural uh, upbringing, how has that helped you? Because, uh, you know, there's, you know, we have little sayings, and my parents are from Jamaica, so they've always got a proverb uh, or two for us as we grew up, but as you get older, you find yourself saying them, and you think, actually, oh, they make sense. Um, share some of us. Yeah, no, I, I think my, my cultural upbringing made a, a big impact in person that I wanted to be and, and then what I have kind of, um, kind of chosen in terms of my life path. So my, um, both my parents um, weren't born in this country. My mum was born in Kenya, my dad in Tanzania. Um, and it was their dream to, to, to come mm. to London and um, ironically it's, it's not the most glamorous dream but they both wanted to be chartered accountants. But that, that was their dream so I'm not going not gonna to question it. Um, and they, they came when they were both kind of 18, 19 students um, to this country to, to Kind of get their education and get um, get their qualification, um, and I think from you know I come from an Indian culture where the value of education is just paramount. And my parents 
have always made me feel like I can do anything it is that, that I want uh, want to do. And I think they've always hoped that that would be following their footsteps and becoming a chartered accountant, which wasn't quite the route <laughs> I went down. But um, but they've always instilled in me that belief that you know anything you want to kind of put your mind to, you you can. And I've I've been very lucky to have an incredibly supportive um, kind of family and, and role models in, in both my parents. And I just sort of ask one more question before we go to the audience. Um, one of the problems we find with young people is that the lack of um, the connection of aspiration and education. So here we are in the best side of the planet, I believe, and mm -hmm. with the most opportunities, and yet so many of us, are, you know, there's so many needs, as they describe them. There's so many um, young people not fulfilling their potential, not fulfilling their educational potential. What advice, or, or why do you feel this is, or what advice would you give to, say, somebody who was listening in who felt this is it, really? I think, particularly when you're kind of when you're young, I think having having role models is such an important part of kind of how you um, of what you believe is kind of the realm of possibility. Um, I was very lucky to have that in, in my parents, but I would, in terms of advice to to come to young people, I would really encourage you to to seek out mentors, to seek out people that inspire you, and that they don't have to be people that you you know on a personal level. They can be um, you know, they can be kind of People that you can see in the news, in the press, people that have achieved something, um, and they've you know had a difficult journey to it, or um, or just are incredibly passionate about something, and they've kind of dedicated their lives to it. And I would say you know, use that to kind of harness your own inner potential, um, because I think role models are one of the most important ways we can kind of unlock that aspiration in young people. Good. To the audience, any questions, please? Come on now. <laughs> Come on. Some burning question. Yes, lady at the back. Um, stand up and say your name, please. My name's Pedro Bucci. Hi. And um, I just wondered, because I'm a younger mom, and um, obviously you and you share your journey is really inspiring, and I just wondered if looking forward to maybe, I don't know if you have a family or you're thinking of having a family someday, what would that balance look like with this sort of job and raising and nurturing a family and where would the strengths, where would you put your strengths, how would you prioritise? Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's a great question. I, um, I don't currently have a family, but it's something that I definitely um, do want to do in the future. And it's, it's, it's a very, kind of very valid question. Um, you know, I think women don't have um, the same kind of luxury as men in terms of, you know, there is still a, and I think we've made progress, but there is still a, a societal expectation that we will be responsible for the lion's share of um, of child rearing and, and of, um, kind of household kind of duties and at the same time we need to balance that with our own professional goals and, and objectives and I'm one of those people that has always been incredibly ambitious and my career is very important to me and I want to be successful in it but I'm also you know, very keen to, to have a family and be a good mother um, and it's, it's a difficult one in terms of how you go about kind of balancing the, the two and I think um, well, what, kind of one thing that my mum has always said to me is, is uh, and, and she's uh, in her own right a very successful career woman, and, and I've seen her kind of have it all. And she always says that the key to her success is, is my dad, um, because she has found an incredibly supportive husband who is willing to kind of do his equal share and support her and understands that her career is just as ambitious and just as important um, as his is. And I think that is one of the most important things that you can do in ensuring your own professional and personal success. 
Thank you. Catherine Tweedy, I work for Investec Asset Management. Um, I find your story really interesting. Um, so I also went through the process of being going to investment banking as an M&A analyst and then into private equity for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And something that I find very interesting, because I was also the one of the only women in my incoming year, mm -hmm. and then you look at the track of, of women that come in after you over the period of 10 years, and you think, well, if, you're, if you only have 10 analysts coming in in a year, only one woman in that year, what is the probability that that woman will then go through age 28 to 35, staying in that firm, and then go on to sort of senior management? And so I think a big question for a lot of finance firms is, what are you doing at the, at the base of the pyramid? How are you looking at recruiting more women into the, the entry levels? Because if you're, only, if you're only bringing one in 10 in, the chances of that one in 10 actually making it through the mid-level and into senior management is, is very low. And it's interesting when you look at your career, probably similar to my career, we, we went through the very, very tough times, the investment banking and the private equity, and then have opted, I actually went one, one way and then came back into finance. Um, but a lot of women go through that, they get an incredible stamp, incredible learning experience, and then they go into industry or into other areas and they don't actually stay in, in, in the finance world. And so increasingly you just see, you know, you just don't see the woman making it through the 28 to 35 um, child, child years. Um, and then who are you drawing from your, you know, into your senior management? So my question, it's a long question, what do you think that our finance uh, world, private equity, investment banking, asset managers should be doing um, in the entry level to see more women coming in at the junior level? I think it's a, it's a very good question. Um, and it's true, I think, you know, in a lot of other industries, we've made a lot of progress in terms of getting, um, if not equal, but close to equal kind of graduate uh, numbers in terms of men and women. But I think in the finance industry, and I think less so with kind of investment banking or asset management, particularly kind of private equity, it still continues to be an incredibly male-dominated um, industry. And I think you're right, part of that, um, getting more women to kind of to the top and to leadership positions is getting more um, at that entry level. And so you know, you're not having a, a 10 to 1 ratio, it's, you know, you're having a, a slightly more favorable one. Um, but I do also think that a part of the, the solution is um, making sure that we have kind of, well, in investment firms or finance firms, put in place those programs to help kind of nurture those grads into kind of the top senior positions. And I think that is a combination of having training and development schemes that understand and kind of are tailored to the individual plight that women face um, when they're trying to kind of build a career in, in finance. Um, I think compared to kind of a lot of other industries, it is an incredibly demanding um, sector to, to work in. Um, not just in terms of you know when you're when you're there in the workplace, it's you know there's a lot of kind of testosterone flying around, it's a very kind of um, bottom line and kind of profit focused um, kind of sector. Um, but it's also incredibly demanding in terms of just pure working hours. And I think, you know, as, as women do get to that kind of that childbearing age where their career, um, you know, it's just one part of the kind of the, the puzzle, and, and they want to start kind of having children, and they need to be able to kind of go, get home and, and in time to kind of put their children to bed. That that juxtaposition becomes even more pronounced. And I think the more women can get into those leadership roles, where you know they are aware of the plight and they can have 
kind of make working flexible working of reality as opposed to just you know a, a public policy or kind of a, a company-wide initiative that comes from the top down I think those are the things that kind of firms need to be doing great can I then darts you have you got anything to add to that bear in mind yeah, I, mean, I think it's about, again, it's at the grassroots level, it's about making sure you're attracting the right talent, you've got the right talent pool, and it's a mix and it's very diverse. But I think it's also not just coming at the entry level, because that can take time and you can kind of lose people as well. Because I think a lot of um, you know, grad schemes are very much, they're attracting great talent from the universities, and then what happens is they kind of disappear once they come into the firms. Mm -hmm. It's following through into the firms, but it's also from the top down as well. Um, and that's where I think we'll maybe get on to the interesting discussion around quotas. Should yeah. we or shouldn't we have quotas? And I think unless you really do a step change and change behaviour through, whether it be um, through a more formal process like quotas, you know, sitting back and expecting things just to change through behaviour. Um, but also, I mean, I think private equity, you know, if they're dealing with female businesswomen in private equity, that will also change the world mm -hmm. as well. So it's not just in private equity, but it's the companies they're dealing with as well. If they start dealing with women as well in a very different way, that will only help influence Brilliant. as well. Oh, so that's, that's another way of looking at it. Great, this lady at the front is waiting patiently, then we'll move on. Thank you. Hi, my name's Barbara, um, and my question again relates to the female in the working environment, um, because I'm in quite a small company has a lot of, well, it's a small company, so it has about 50% young people, but the young people tend to be in the lower roles, um, and at the moment I'm a business development manager there. So I was just wondering, for you, what were the positives that you took from being the youngest and being female, and even though there were barriers, how did you turn them and make them work in your favour? Another great question, Barbara. Um, <laughs> no, I think, you know, it's, being a kind of a young woman that was kind of had a, an opportunity to get into private equity at a, a very young age was it was challenging but it was also an incredible opportunity and you know I recognised that and I knew that it was a pretty kind of unique position to be in and I think that you know if you are if you are lucky enough to be kind of a young working woman that has you know, real responsibility and a job that you really kind of are passionate about then then kind of forget about all the other kind of you know doubts that you might have or um, Things that other people might say, or resentment, or any kind of hostility that you may face, and just and just wholeheartedly throw yourself into into that role and into that job. Um, and you know, I, I had a lot of self doubts, and I had I spent a lot of time thinking, oh my god, like, I don't know anything. What am I doing here? Um, but you kind of need to just put that to, to one side and just make the most of the opportunity that you do have. Um, and you know, I was lucky enough to really kind of have a, a great boss that spent a lot of time um, mentoring me and kind of developing my skill set and, and you know, making sure that I had um, the support that I needed to, to kind of flourish in that environment. So I, I can't kind of emphasize that enough in terms of seek out those mentors and those sponsors that will be able to help you and give you the right career advice that you may not necessarily be able to see yourself because you are relatively young and, and you know, compared to kind of people in higher positions relatively kind of less experienced. So kind of lean on them, um, seek them out and, and just make the most of the opportunity that you have. Great, thank you very much. So, we're moving on swiftly on to Alison, who's patiently waited. But Alison, just briefly, just take us through your um, journey, your career journey, yeah. um, until you got to launching your business, and then I'll fire a few questions because yeah, you know you're absolutely. on my subject now. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I represent the alternative approach to how to go about your working life, I guess, because I'm an entrepreneur and have been since the age of five, when I very controversially but quite successfully sold conkers to my classmates <laughs> um, and, and promptly had the money confiscated by a very angry teacher who didn't think I should be profiteering in this way, but I felt I sold them successfully, that was a deal, and uh, why are you complaining? Anyway, um, I, I decided... I, I knew instinctively, and I think this is a point I want to make about knowing yourself and trusting your instincts, which when I, I made uh, my film for the project was something that I emphasised about instinct and, and trusting yourself. I knew from a very early age, um, maybe because I was born bolshy, I don't know, that I wanted to be my own boss, run my own business, and it was just this sort of really... Um, strong desire not to be held back, not to be contained, uh, not to be told what I couldn't do. I thought, you know, there's a really quick way to not to have to deal with all this politics, which I'm undoubtedly going to come up against if I go into an organisation. Don't go into one. So, so some people would say, well, that's a bit of a cop-out. But for me, it was the right decision. And I actually, we were discussing this earlier on, I actually started my first business when I was uh, at Cambridge. Um, I think, not insignificantly, I went to a convent school and then I went to an all-female college. So, always been brought up and educated in a, in a, in a very specific and quite sort of independent fashion. Um, always felt very supportive of, of women and what they stand for and what it means to be a woman. And started my first business at university to help pay, uh, pay my way through. Um, and then went into partnership with somebody and we launched a mail order business. Uh, which was floated on the stock exchange, at which point I suddenly realised I was the, the youngest uh, female board director of a publicly quoted company in the UK, so that was a bit of a shock. Um, I was in my late, late 20s then. And, and then I moved on to um, some television presenting and uh, writing, wrote uh, uh, several books. And then I decided, okay, this is the moment. This is the culmination of everything that I, I know and love. What is my subject? My subject is home. That's what I'm really passionate about. I want to be a career woman. I want to run a business. Um, but I want it to be about home. So I looked across the pond. I saw Martha Stewart and her billion-dollar business. And I thought, yes, I want some of that. So, so I thought, Britain doesn't have a Martha Stewart. This is very good. Um, and so started to write about interiors um, and present uh, interiors programs and cookery and gardening and all that homemaking stuff. And I'm trying to sort of condense this down into a, into a short talk. But um, fast forwarding to the last sort of five years, used all that knowledge and all that experience, um, which is another relevant point I'll come back to, um, to start a couple of online businesses, both of which are related to homeware and a publishing business which is related to homeware. So today I sit in front of you and I've got uh, three businesses in my group. Um, I employ quite a number of people. Uh, they are uh, multi-million pound businesses. Um, but I am 50 years old, and it's taken me every minute since I was five. You know, I've been going this for 45 years. <laughs> it really doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> and, um, you and, on it, <laughs> But, but you, well, that's the other point I want to make, which is, uh, I, think it's, I think it's very important um, to be really honest. When, when people ask me, you know, what's it like to run a business? What's it like to be a woman in business? I think the, the greatest disservice you could do to your fellow women is to try and make it look easy. Yeah. And, and, you know, to sort of, I suppose, indirectly make people feel bad about themselves because you're saying, well, it's just one of those things that 
um, it didn't just happen. I, I, you know, I've always worked fantastically hard. That's the one thing I will say for myself. I was, you know, I was never the prettiest, I was never the smartest, but I probably was the most hardworking. I still work 18-hour days. I was up at 3 this morning because I woke up bolt upright at 3 a.m. because something in my subconscious popped up and said, hang on a minute, you haven't done that thing with payroll or whatever it was that bothered me. And, and I have a pad by my bed and I wrote it down and went back to sleep again. But this is normal for me and it will be normal till the day I die. And just for the record, I never want to stop working mm. because the average length of time that somebody collects their pension is, does anybody know? How many years? I would guess, somebody? Ten. Anybody? Five. Ten? Sorry? Five, I'd say. Five. Closer. It's three. Yeah. <laughs> because when people stop, they die. <laughs> so, it, it took me until I was 50, but I thought, here I am. And yes, I've worked really hard, but so it feels good because I've worked for it. I know I've earned it. And I've got two beautiful children. I have a career that I love. I'm sure there'll be questions about, well, what does it feel like to do all those things? And I can tell you the answer. But it, all of a sudden, I just thought, you know what? I am actually, I can look in the mirror. I've spent many years not being able to look in the mirror and not liking what I see. And actually, right now, I can say, hand on heart, that I'm really okay with what I see in the mirror. And 50 is brilliant. And the average, uh, I think the average healthy woman now lives to 96. As the latest statistics. <laughs> so bring on and the second five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you know, um, women in business is very close to my heart. Um, and I, I'm going to get a bit sort of political here. I want to know, what more do you think that the banks <laughs> and government yes. could do for women in business to increase the numbers? Because they are pretty dire. Oh, the, okay. I, I think there is a degree to which um, we, you raised this point, Barbara, about being patronised. Yeah. And I think that there is, there is a degree of that. Although I would say, I, I think possibly there's less of it now than when I started mm -hmm. out. Um, I actually don't know if there's anything specific they should do for women. I'm not sure I really get to grips with that mm. question because my feeling about being in business is that actually it's kind of irrelevant that I'm a woman. I just pursue wholeheartedly and passionately what I want to do and my parents never sort of thought to tell me that I couldn't do something so I've always assumed I could. So let's see if we go to battle here. So then, do you <laughs> believe that we, so do you, in your heart of hearts, do you believe then that we shouldn't have gender-led initiatives for women in business? Or that it should just be mainstream, one hat fits all? Do you know, I'm going to be a little bit controversial. Come on, bring it yeah, on, bring, bring it, it on. on. <laughs> I'm not sure I actually do. Mm. And maybe it's because I've always led this very siloed existence where I haven't had to compete because I've almost, I suppose in a way, taken myself out of that and just said, well, I'm going to operate in my business and run my business and nothing's going to stop me anyway. And I don't care if you're, you know, male, female, black, white, it doesn't bother me. And so I actually don't because I've never operated within those constraints and I've never felt them. And I, I don't mean that to be an unhelpful comment, but I just think that for me, the most important thing about being in business is the passion and the determination and you know the, 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 the steely determination that nothing will impede and that's and that's what that's why I don't worry too much about it because men don't frighten me 
So there's a lot of government research that says, not that I'm saying I buy completely into it, mm-hmm. but women lack the confidence ah, to start well, businesses yes. at the same rate as men. And yeah. again, there's an economic cost for the fact that women are not setting up businesses at the same rate as um, mm-hmm. men in the UK, and it's as the same as our counterparts in the US. Well, yes, okay. I think what I would like to see is initiatives in education to encourage girls and boys to set up business, you know, and in so doing, obviously, girls will be half of that equation. Absolutely, because I think that, you know, entrepreneurial uh, instincts um, should be encouraged far more than they are. They're not really addressed in school. I wanted to to see it become much more uh, mainstream education. So to that extent, yes, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think that would be extremely, extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. And really, as an economic force, entrepreneurs are incredibly important and incredibly powerful, and we need more of them. And I'd just like there to be... Sometimes I feel, you know, if there's, if there's one thing that bothers me, I, I feel a bit lonely sometimes, very you know? Lonely. Yes, it's um, very lonely. I, I suppose I'm so busy that it doesn't bother me that mm. much, but because I support women and, and love to see them succeed, yes, you know, I'd like to see... Uh, I think confidence is, yeah. a, is a really big part of it. And, and I'll go back to that, because you talked about the resilience and mm. the, the, the steely determination and the fact that you have to be self-motivated in business. Mm. But I actually believe that when you do start out, there are fears, because many women are coming from a background where um, they've never had anyone in their family who ran a business, yeah. that nobody supported them. They come back with their own baggage, whether yeah. it's... Um, Primani, Lidl or Fortum and Mason, they come with their own baggage yeah. and the reality is you've got to shake all that stuff off yeah. but I think that business, one of the, and even if you're coming from a corporate, because if you look at the women who opt oh. out um, you come with all that baggage, I call it the appraisal remember when we were about to have our appraisal and that you worked hard all year and they find one thing, that one thing yeah. and you're devastated for the rest of the year until you do it again and it's that thing where you leave the workplace and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy but the fact is that you start out in business and you need support and I think that there is a, an element of hand-holding that needs to be done. Yeah. Talk about mentoring and sponsorship. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with the mentoring thing. I think yes. absolutely critical. And I think yeah. if I was doing my career again, mm. I would be the VP because now I would understand the importance of having a sponsor and the difference between a sponsor and a mentor because I think that's important as well that people understand mm. the difference. Mm. Um, and understanding the importance of having your toolkit of success which is your mentoring, your sponsorship, your networking. Yes. All of these things that are not in co- You're not taught these things really. You just hear mm. about it. And I think, so when you get into business, all of a sudden, you're supposed to know how to network. And, um, <laughs> you know, and then we end up networking, but they're irrelevant networks because you need to be in networks that are relevant. Yep. So again, I'll go back to, do we need to have some gender-led initiatives? I think we need and okay, the role models we, is we, important we need initiatives yes okay gender led initiatives I mean I just want to just want to say something that I was the first person in my family ever to go on to any form of further education mm. let alone university so I did start out in a sort of vacuum which mm. is that I wasn't expected to, to take A levels let alone a degree and I actually decided I want, I want to go to Cambridge, I just want to go to the very best place I can go to. So um, I did sort of start out with um, not very many weapons in my armoury. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I do, I have to say again, you know, maybe a controversial answer, but I do think part of that is just um, 
it's it's nature, it's it's who you are that you're determined to fight that and make your contacts and overcome those objections because you know, I'm 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 fifty and it's taken me all this time to learn how to network. So yes, gender led initiatives would be helpful. They would shortcut some of the journey. I will give you that much. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to let you get away with more because it, it just is about saying, but, you know, that it is about being incredibly focused and, I and know having that. a cast iron work ethic, which you know. And I know that when I first started out, I was, believe it or not, I was so nervous at events. I used to say, just get two cards, just get two cards. Oh. But I think that the, um, the passion and the courage and the um, can-do attitude becomes easier the longer you're, you're at it and you yeah. become a completely different person and I think that's why I encourage you even if you're working have a business on the side have plan B women this is your time do not be scared be brave have courage have the commitment to go after what is yours our mothers our grandmothers and our foreparents fought a very hard battle for us to have the freedom to have the education the political power and the ability to live our life on purpose and passion and therefore my command to you is to live blissful lives and take your power and do it with your full feminine spirit Use your power, use your power. So, Sonia, my question is actually for you. Um, I wanted to ask you, you brought up with um, both Sheena and Alison um, about, you both mentioned that you have strong role models within your family. And um, Sonia, you mentioned whether having strong role models or having a strong drive is what brings women to success. And I wanted to ask you, first of all, what it is for you that brought you to your success? And second of all, what about those young girls that don't have someone in their family? Or what about those young girls that don't have that drive because they don't have that belief in themselves? What can we do for them that will, um, that will spark it within them? Okay, so for me, it's always been about adversity. So I came from the wrong side of the town. I ended up in a grammar school. I was the only black in my class until we got to sixth form. So everything was against me, and I grew up being, well, I didn't speak. Um, posh enough because I was from South London um, I was from the wrong track I was black, I was female we are working class, everything was against me and you know I talked too much, I knew everybody I was just into things and I always always used to say I'd sit in my room and I'd always say this isn't my life I'm going to have a better life I'm going to have a better life and I just remember because I had a double bed and I remember I just used to sit there and I'd read and read and read I read everything and that love of reading meant that my world got bigger there came a point when I realised actually your adversity isn't unique lots of people go through challenges it's what you do with it and it was those challenges that pushed me forward and when somebody said no you can't do that say I will see about that and that's everything I've done so when you talk about challenges it's never been easy but why talk about it I'm still going to get through I set up the business because my boss hated me absolutely hated me and gave me 350 pounds as a pay rise I wasn't even worth a pound a day that's what I realized and I said okay so I set up another little part-time business made loads of money and left and it sort of catapulted so just because you don't it's not perfect Nothing in life is, but it's what you do. And I always say to people, never, 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 and never once more, 
give up. You just keep pushing. And remember, don't be scared to ask for what you want. I just want to ask you, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> what do I see? I see an aspiring woman with um, hopes and dreams, some of which I have realised, and others I am excited at the prospect of realising in the years ahead. Brilliant. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is, like, too good an answer. <laughs> <laughs> what do I see? Oh, I see myself as I was at 21. Oh. <laughs> I've changed. I'm with you on that one. Have, yeah, I don't know. Um, just every day, some, I think just something different every day. But I think the more you look in the mirror, the more you recognise yourself. Mm, so I think that's as you get older. Um, I said, my girlfriend said to me recently, um, what do you want written on your tombstone? And I said, I want it to say, brave, bold and beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Great. And before I hand back to Edwina, I just want to say this, it's been a pleasure and I hope you got something out of it today. Weren't they amazing? Oh my God, weren't they amazing? Weren't they amazing? And I just want to say, we've been given so many great tips and, um, you know, if you've got, a, got your little toolkit of success, I think it should be overflowing now with ideas, I think. But I just want to say, and end, have a vision, have a really compelling, as you say, authentic, self-fulfilling vision that takes you where you want to be. Brand. Learn to brand yourself so that people know who you are. There's no point being the best thing in your living room, Okay. Use social, <laughs> use social media to your advantage and also work from your instinct, trust yourself and bounce back. But more importantly, learn to collaborate and do joint ventures with people. So whether you're collaborating for mentors or sponsors or collaborating in business, use this as a way to accelerate your dreams and live your best life ever because no one has ever come back and said it's better on the other side. <laughs> views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Investec Bank PLC.